0: Of FreightWaves Live and Events podcast, I am Tim Dooner, and this is the show where we bring you back to past FreightWaves events, take you inside of upcoming events, and capture the moments and keynotes from top thought leaders in logistics, freight tech, business, and media. Today we're taking a FreightWaves flashback to FreightWaves Live Chicago for a fireside chat between FreightWaves President George Abernathy and Transplay CEO Frank McGuigan. You may have missed out on this event live, but now's your chance to catch the next one. That's right, FreightWaves Live Atlanta is May 5th and 6th, and it's the biggest game in freight tech. Leading the incredible lineup of industry keynotes, speakers, and fast-paced demos on the second day will be Fox Sports broadcaster and co-host of Dancing with the Stars, Aaron Andrews. Emily Zink, EVP of Content at Freightways, will host a fireside chat with Andrews on the subject of winning at work as a woman, discussing how to break the glass ceiling, and succeeding in a male-dominated industry. It's sure to be an entertaining and provocative fireside chat as Zink and Andrews connect the dots from one industry to another. Chad Prevost and myself caught up with Emily on this week's episode of What the Truck. Listen in as we discuss the event. Big deal. We got to turn the table. We got to turn the tables right now, Chad. Big deal, little deal. Emily Zink, EVP of content at Freightwaves, Waves, will host a fireside chat with Aaron Andrews on the subject of winning at work as a woman discussing how to break the glass ceiling in this Mel. <laughs> <laughs> you want to whisper great. that one? Yeah. Um, so, so, <laughs> so tell us what's up. Big what's deal or little it? deal?
1: Well, you guys got to decide. are yeah, the oh, table asking on me? you. Yeah. I think it's a big deal. Everyone knows Erin Andrews. She is a household name. I, whether you're a woman and you like to watch Dancing with the Stars or a woman like me and watch sports and you see her on the sidelines or I know men enjoy watching. She was on ESPN. Now she's on Fox Sports. But especially in the sports industry, it, it was hard to be a female sportscaster for a really, really long time. And I think she was one of Other than like the Doris Burks and great women like that, she was, yeah, she was one of those recognizable faces who she started to do a lot and she made a name for herself to show like, Hey, I'm a girl, but I'm doing this and I could keep up with all of you guys. And she's made a successful career out of it. And we're in an industry that is very male dominated, but there are some powerful women take Shelly Simpson, for example, she's one of many powerful women. So I think it'll be cool to see how the two our field and her field intertwine, and in how you really win at work as a woman.
2: She said she kind of grew up as a tomboy. Yes, she always yeah. was into into sports. I remember when I lived in Atlanta uh, around two thousand.
1: She worked there. Yeah, that
2: she was she was a very young broadcaster for uh, for the Braves.
1: Yeah, yeah, and
2: uh, we just thought. My wife and I thought she was really cute and really good good at what she was doing.
0: Look yeah. at her now. I know. Yeah. Look at her now. She's all grown up. Yes, but there there are some like I talked to Ingrid Brown over the weekend on Freightways Radio, and she she even has like her she's a citizen trucker for TA, so she even has a truck stop named after her, and she said that even still, when she gets confronted by a lot of male truck drivers, they'll often pull the woman card on her, and they will use her gender, they'll weaponize her gender against her, and I think that. A lot of times when pe- people get like so defensive about this stuff, but I think women are also not. I mean, fair pay is one thing, but they're also asking just not to be completely disregarded because yeah. of your gender and not on some valid argument.
1: Yeah. I, I think a lot of it, too, is people hate the saying like, oh, she's really good for a woman. Yeah. they just, Can't she just be really good just for the job that she's doing? And I know that and that's across the board in all industries. And that's it's really come to the forefront that people just want to be recognized for their work that they do, not for their gender. You know, yep. there's
0: still, a, and and women t- to this day still in that sport, yeah, she's on the sidelines, Susie Colbert's on the sidelines, she's on the sidelines of the Super Bowl, but they're still not in the broadcast booth. No. You know, they're still, they're still not calling the game. You have Jason Witten in there who, uh, you know,
1: played Witten yeah. in blood. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's still, there's still a long way to go and there's still, she still probably has, she feels like she probably broke down some barriers, but still there's, more to go and more, more moves to be made. So, well, yeah. I
2: think that the uh, the industry will be fascinated by listening to y'all's yeah. conversation on May sixth in Atlanta. Yes, uh, at Freight Waves Live, get your tickets six, right. I think yeah,
0: the actual talk. The six. Yeah, yeah. But you got a comfortable day. You can't oh, just come for, just that and, you know. for that. literally saying for that particular
2: right. conversation. <laughs> all right. talking about
0: thanks. No, I just want them to come for the whole thing, though. It's going to be a great time. Of of I'm excited. I know we're going to have the live stage yeah. there. We're going to be running that uh, like gangbusters. Like, yeah. uh, we, you know, you saw that you got a taste of it in, in Chicago. Chicago. And it's going to be gonna... bigger and better. It's always going to be
1: bigger. Yeah. That's new shows, too. That's the fun part. We, mm-hmm. we get to debut new shows there on the live set, test it out, try it out. And so everyone should get their ticket.
0: Get your tickets now at freightways.com, Click on events or by getting your passport. And now, without further delay, it's the Fireside Chat from Freightways Live Chicago 2019. With Freightways President George Abernathy and TransPlace CEO Frank McGuigley.
3: I have um, an extremely enjoyable opportunity uh, that I think is going to be unbelievably valuable for you. Um, I get to um, have a fireside chat with the CEO of TransPlace. Now, uh, a small disclaimer. Any of you who work for Freight Waves have heard me say at least 10 or 12,000 times that the proudest part of my uh, background and experience was working at TransPlace for 12 years and uh, being president. Um, One of the things that we did that was really, really smart uh, when I was at TransPlace in 2011, TransPlace uh, started doing some accretive acquisitions. and. One of them that we acquired was a company called SEO Logistics, Supply Chain Optimization Logistics. I will ask uh, our, uh, our guest, ask Frank, how the name SEO Logistics wasn't, you know, gone down in legend because it was so bad. So, Frank, at that point in time, um, I thought that we had, we had bought a company and found the person that was going to be the CEO of Transplace someday, and the good news is uh, uh, that he is. Frank has a background uh, in transportation um, While leading SEO Logistics, he's also uh, had leadership roles at companies like Penske. Within TransPlace, he's worked his way through all the elements of the organization and uh, has been leading the company since their acquisition back in 2017, uh, led by the folks at TPG. So, please join me in welcoming uh, TransPlace CEO, Frank McGuigan. Hello, Francis. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you today? I am very, very well. All right. Let's get down to it. This um, is, uh, is going to be an interesting one for everybody. Frank and I do know each other. I know everybody knows each other a little bit. It's pretty clear to me that Frank would, in all likelihood, probably probably give up one of his uh, four beautiful boys for another Eagles Super Bowl, which we know is you know, unlikely to happen. And uh, I have a six-year-old rescue husky named Brady. Which probably gives you some level of an idea of what kind of winning team that I root for, and yes, I'm telling you the number of uh, number of Super Bowl rings that the goat does have. So, Frank, let's uh, let's let's bet on it. What uh, we got? Uh, we got Sunday. We got the Patriots. We got the Eagles. Yeah. We got we got to put something on this. What are we? Uh, what are we, we going to go for?
2: I'd say cheesesteaks, but I live in Dallas now, and just, <laughs> you just can't find a good one there. So. Uh, Let's
3: say cheesesteaks. All I right, cheesesteaks. I right. live in Chattanooga, so I could say barbecue, but I'll go with a New England. We'll do some clam chowder for you. We'll do a, a, l- a, fair l- deal. L- a little, little bit of a legal seafood clam chowder coming your way. Okay. It was nice. No, it won't be. I'm looking forward to those cheesesteaks. <laughs> <laughs> All nice. right. So, um, uh, again, uh, background, uh, I've been at TransPlace. Frank and I have worked together, so hopefully that uh, uh, that level of uh, camaraderie will serve you guys well in, uh, in getting some great information sure. uh, about TransPlace. So first um, of all great
2: conference by the way oh thank I, you this is my first time it's it's fantastic oh thank you well I appreciate done. it yeah.
3: thank you thank you um, transplace continues to evolve um, i think it's um i think it's fair to say that transplace's evolution that you've been leading now uh for a couple of years is pretty significant how would
2: you describe that evolution over the last couple of years uh, you know, the company's building upon its legacy of, of service, servicing shippers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, for sure, even though there's three major parts of the company, the TMS business is pulling the company forward. And what was originally an operating relationship enabled by a technology has moved more into an outcomes-based relationship that's mm-hmm. managed by the platform, Got it. right? And, and so, ultimately... Um, our customers are asking more of us from a technology standpoint. They're actually asking more of us from an outcome standpoint, right? And so it's not just I want a technology. It's I want this technology to do these things for me, these measurable things for me in my network, right? And so Got it. TransPlace employees go to work every day thinking about how to drive that value in the network more than anything else. It. I think it's a huge cultural advantage for us as well, right? So,
3: so as, you, as you look at... Value that sounds like benefits, not features. There's no doubt about it, yeah. right?
2: And and so, and, and and you should know. I mean, I, I believe that we're living in a you know logistics technology renaissance right now. And and so, um, we get asked all the time about features. And and my very first question is, is what are you really looking for? Mm-hmm. You know, what what are you trying to find inside, uh, uh, or, or or achieve inside your supply chain with that feature? But. Make no mistake about it. I mean, we we single sourced on. We were early adopters of visibility. We we're early adopters of AI, right? We we're early adopters, uh, all in in an effort to drive more value and predictability into uh, into supply chains. So um, maybe for context purposes, I
3: may be jumping over things because I know the business as well as they do. But how
2: big is
3: Transplace?
2: Transplace, you know, just from a revenue standpoint, we'll be, we'll do three point two billion dollars this year. Um, the organization, its three-year Kager is, is 30% both in net revenue and in EBITDA. Got it. Um, and in 2019, we'll have roughly 16% net revenue growth, 13% EBITDA growth. Right? Now, so,
3: uh, you you got a number of cylinders in that, that eight-cylinder car. Which, right. which
2: of the units uh, have performed better in 19 versus sure. 18 kind of stuff? By, by far, and, it, and I do think it's worth mentioning that, you know, if you look at the freight under management in the network, we're, we're dealing with, if you include what sold in 2019 and implemented, you know, through the balance of this year as well as into 2020, we're dealing with roughly a $10 billion network. $10 billion? Wow. $10 billion, right? And so um, what's driving the business, candidly, is our core, and, and that's our logistics platform services business. Got it, right? got it. And, got and it. so that is... And, and, that, that's what allows me to say that we'll have a very good 2020 as well because what's sold this year is implemented next year, as you well know. Got it. And, and we're coming off a record kind of new contract sales year. And, and it's nice to say that we've had four of those in a row. We keep mm. on kind of outdoing ourselves uh, significantly. We keep on investing in the sales and marketing side of our business, and it's, it's proving a nice result for us.
3: So that sounds, I don't want to say
2: recession-proof, but right. recession... recession. TPG's in the audience, so I don't want to say recession-proof, you know, because <laughs> we're in the middle of our budget process right now, but I would say that the diversification uh, gives it some advantages of uh, of some of the less diversified uh, businesses in our space, right? Gotcha. So um, the other two legs of this still just for the audience benefit is is we have 30% of our revenue comes from our capacity services business, which is our intermodal business, and our truck brokerage business. Our intermodal business is actually based out of Tinley Park here uh, right outside of Chicago, and that's where I was yesterday. We opened up a new office there, and our freight brokerage business sits, and, and it's roughly number five or six from a size standpoint, and our freight brokerage business is, is um, based out of northwest Arkansas, and it's well, I think we're a top ten broker at right. this point. And so the, the combined uh, components of those two things represent roughly 30% of the business, and another 10% of the business is our customs brokerage business, right? And so we do a tremendous amount of uh, Mexico and U.S. customs brokerage and border logistics, uh, predominantly in Laredo, Nuevo Laredo, but, but uh, George, as you're well aware, we have you know, significant offices in Creto and, and, and Monterrey, mm, right? right? And so...
3: So, uh, big news in the industry today. Uh, Convoy has a two point yeah. seven five billion dollar valuation now, and just you know, brought in four hundred million dollars. I'm assuming uh, TPG is just you know, gleeful that uh, the, I the think space so. <laughs> continues to show that kind of valuation out there. How, where do you, where do where do you think that and what do you think that does for 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 transplace into the transformation that you're helping
2: to take it through? No, you, you know what I, I mean. Candidly, I don't think about that at all. Okay. First of all, we do business with Convoy, and, and I, I think they're a terrific carrier inside our network. We, candidly, we do business with most of the digital brokers. Our job as, as kind of a representative of the shippers in the market is to find new and interesting things and, and real capacity. And, and yep. We see how they're behaving in the network, and it's really strong. It's really impressive, actually. Um, as it relates to our valuation, you know, what's going to drive us is our continued uh, servicing of the business that we have. And uh, and our growth factors, right. right? And and so yeah, yeah. we we don't think about it that way. In addition to that, by the way, I mean, uh, and I mean this respectfully, very respectfully, we we have what I call the burden of profit, right? And and so um, we have, you, you know, we watch. Uh, uh, what we spend every year, yeah. um, and, and we generate a real profit with that. But we're in a different stage of our cycle. If we were in the stage of the cycle of some of those companies, we'd be doing the exact same thing they are. What they're doing makes sense to me, right? And, and um, ultimately, I believe that, that their technology and, candidly, their, uh, uh, their intelligence mm-hmm. will have them kind of have that break-even moment and continue to gain in the industry like they're gaining, yeah. right? And yeah. so uh, they'll be successful, Right, they, yeah. they, I, I really yeah. believe that. I, 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 most of them, you know, Uber, uh, Convoy, I, I uh, what they're doing is smart and appropriate, and there's so much incredible opportunity in this space, that that they'll be fine. But so will Echo, Coyote, right. and C.H. Robinson. So right? you, yeah. you guys, you guys run a lot of routing guides. You, oh, you, yeah. you, you guys run a lot of
3: bids. We do. Um, are you seeing uh, any? I, we're, we're in the traditional bid cycle time frame now. Although yeah. bids are run all year, but. Are you seeing activity out of those sure. new providers that are going to benefit the
2: shippers that you serve? We, we've seen activity out of those providers over the last couple of years mm-hmm. and that have absolutely benefited the shippers. And, and so what do you mean by benefit the shipper? I mean, you know, deliver on the service that's required yep. except the freight that you promised to carry, right, and, and at the rate that you promised to carry it at, right? Yep. So um, we've seen significant uh, uh, moves in share. Yeah. In, in those areas over the last couple of years, um, the other side of that though is, is we can also see, and, and again it's our job you know our company's filled with engineers and data scientists, to understand the behavior of the markets and understand how, how uh, these carriers are performing and bidding and why they're bidding the way they are. Um, we see that they're getting smarter, Yeah. right? And, and so they they know what they're not. They're beginning to recognize what they're not good at, what they're not profitable at, and 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 they're focusing on on, on areas of profitability in the short term. Maybe managing a little bit of I don't need as much share. Profitability is more mm-hmm. important, which is fine. Yeah, yeah totally yeah. fine. Yeah. Makes sense. So.
3: Um, you guys broke ground in a building in Northwest Arkansas. Yes, uh, you're doubling... high time. By the way, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're doubling down in Northwest Arkansas. I, um,
2: what about that area? I mean, it's obviously world's, sure. world's largest retailer. Um, you what, know, it's, what... it's funny. We we were talking to a company the other day, and they were saying that you know we're the biggest company in our country, and. And I'm like, we're not even the biggest company in this county, right? <laughs> and, and so, um, but you have, you know, you have great companies like J.B. Hunt and, and, and Walmart and, and, you know, Tyson, yeah, all in that yeah. region. And, and um, from my standpoint, the essence of TransPlace is in northwest Arkansas. And we have 25 locations from Toronto down to Mexico City. Uh, um, but, you know, if you look at where our engineering is done, if you look at where our procurements and, and, and most of our enterprise operations is out of northwest Arkansas and we have just run out of space, you know? And, and so you don't just move into a new building there because there's not a lot of right. occupancy, yeah. so you have to build a new building. And, and what should that building be? What should it look like, et cetera? And so um, it, it is... It, George, I don't know if you're familiar with the campus, but we're in all three of those buildings yeah. now, yeah. and we're yeah. just we're just out of space. And, and so we broke ground on that uh, this year, and, and we'll be moving in in, in the first quarter of, of 2021. Ah, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah.
3: So... Um, Transplace has been, from a transportation management or managed transportation, however you want to define it, a leader. But you know, transportation being managed that way has been around for a quarter century at this point. Yes. How do you see that being, you know, evolved? You've made, you know, uh, you know control tower investments. Sure, you're that's bringing right. transparency. You know, how, how are you doing that and making sure that you know? You're, you're putting the logos of those providers into the portfolio, but how how does that how does that deliver value?
2: No, I, I think that you know the evolution is, and, and I kind of referenced this a bit earlier from being somebody that, uh, if, if you look at anything written on the marketplace as it relates to real TMS present, uh, penetration, right. it's still not great. That's the first thing I would say. So there's still a significant opportunity there, and I think Gartner wrote two years ago that that. Uh, what, what 40 to 45 percent penetrated, growing SaaS from a SaaS standpoint at 24 percent a year for the next five years. Mm-hmm. So pretty significant. Um, the second thing I would say is that you a TMS is not a TMS is not a TMS, right? And so if you think about the verticals that transplace services from significant amount of CPG and food and beverage servicing, major retail supply chains, and the service that requires, and the visibility and transparency that requires over to major chemical manufacturers, right? right? And, and, and what's required from a visibility standpoint and from a data standpoint, everything associated with hazardous materials, et cetera. It is, uh, it's something that you have to continue to invest in the TMS, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. what are we doing at the order management layer? What are we doing at the optimization layer? What are we doing inside the systematic routing guide and ultimately our ability to kind of portray data and, and automate the financials process, right? Um, continued investment in that is highly necessary, but in addition to that, what's the what's the market really looking for, right? And so, um, the evolution of the market can, is consistent with kind of the renaissance that you're feeling in this conference right, right. now, and that is people looking for uh, a greater uh, visibility mm-hmm. through all stakeholders in the supply chain, and that was the development of the control tower. Then the next layer is is Transplace. You are fantastic at optimizing my transportation network, Mm. but how does that work against everything else in your supply chain? So, you know, our investment in TransPlace network services, uh, um, significant, right? And what that's doing is that every single order that goes through TransPlace gets optimized against the entire network on a daily basis. And so there's been significant promise in that through the decades in this industry. How do you make all that work? And we're actually making it work. Right, and and so uh, through investment in artificial intelligence, through dedicated resources on top of that, right? You just can't. The easy part is recognizing the opportunity. The more difficult part is making sure that the shipping community and the carrier community is working together to kind of achieve that. Right? We want carriers to stay in our network. We want carriers to add trucks because they are uh, they have confidence that they can. Have a terrific operating ratio living in the transplace network and then the, the most recent piece candidly is our service prediction piece working mm-hmm. with risk pulse and in essence AI and and having pattern recognition on you know in, external and internal factors everything from carrier scorecards to day of the week to weather to whatever saying that if I'm looking at you know, just say 80,000 orders a day in my system, which ones are the most likely to fail? Mm. Which ones do I need to be more proactive on as a, as a corporation, Got right? It. You don't want, as we're talking about digitization, yeah. I, I, I think it's really important. TransPlace has, is, is gonna be managing $10 billion of freight with 2,000 people, right? Think about, look at the industry, right? Look at, and, and, and compare those, to, those statistics and ratios, against anybody else. You know, we have been digitizing since our, our, our first day and, and that journey continues, mm-hmm. right? We, we we want our people and, and our people are evolving from talking to carriers on the phone to talking to people on the phone to looking at data, predicting, right? Or working with, with prediction to understand what to do with that and continuous improvement. That's where the engagement has changed. And yeah. so that's the evolution. Interesting. So um, as you think about and it, it wouldn't
3: be a, a Freight Tech Conference if we didn't say AI, we didn't say machine learning. I think I checked all the buzzwords. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but uh, not, not to throw you a, a, a softball here, sure. but you guys are actually implementing that now and, and driving both, it sounds like, internal productivity and then value for the customer. It,
2: it's it's implemented and right. driving value, right? And And so, I mean, the issue is I mean, and to put it in perspective, if you look at our network, and we're using our network to for a bunch of different things. And by the way, we, you know, full disclaimer: we look at some of the information FreightWaves provides to help us understand and assess what's going on in the network. But on any given day, every day of the week, you know, I've got 400 trucks going into Dallas and 400 trucks leaving Dallas, right? And so there is an inherent inefficiency in the marketplace, right? And so. Um, everybody's aware of that, uh, everybody understands the billions of empty miles that occur, and it's our job to, as TransPlace and an intermediary, as a partner, to leverage that to the benefit of the shipping community and the benefit of the carer community, right? Both of those things, not one at the expense of other, and to do it, by the way, in a transparent way, right? Mm. And so all the constituents understand what's happening and 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 so that that was the request of the shipping community as we were getting larger, and we've delivered on that promise. And so now it's it's more about kind of uh, reinvesting in that and bolstering that, and then really understanding where are uh, uh, where where are people spending their time doing other things, yeah. right? Yeah. And and so you know how many emails come into our corporation, right? Do you know how many? Um, I mean, we've we've we've. We put in bots year, years ago, yeah. right we, yeah. we, don't, we don't want to schedule, but we want our technology to do everything right and, and, and so that's the game got, right? it, got it so as you um,
3: talk about your organic growth, are you targeting any particular verticals or markets sure. or you, have you had more success and, or are you looking at carving into some that have been you know less successful previously?
2: I would say that, that you know our, our greatest success is is uh, companies servicing uh, retail supply chains, mm-hmm. um, the industrial sector, and and the chemical sector, right? And and so we have deep domain expertise in in every one of those, and every one of those things have unique problems, right? And and where logistics, in some instances, is the difference between. Uh, uh, profitability and not in in some areas. And in other areas, it's the difference between, candidly, is your stuff on the shelf at the right time, at the right place, and and what kind of penalty you... And and, and so, understanding that, I think there was some good recent articles written uh, uh, by uh, maybe even Coyote talking about kind of the blend of technology and domain expertise. Mm -hmm. We we are huge proponents of that, right? Uh, We are... So far, if, if if we believe technology could do everything, trust me, we would have already invested in that and we'd be doing that. It's the combination of understanding how to engineer, how to procure, and then how to manage towards the different intricacies of the supply chains uh, uh, that make the difference.
3: So, um, in that, uh, you've got organic growth. You've got strategies around that. When you know, I was you know helping to manage parts of the company. We were. Acquiring things like SEO sure. to break into. Some you know, say chemical. the greatest acquisition ever. Some
2: say not many, but a few. <laughs> I think you bought that with beer
3: money, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's true. We we did have to break break a ten, <laughs> I think, um, but there was over the first six or seven years, seven acquisitions sure. yeah. that were all, yes. you know, accretive. Mm-hmm. Arbitrage was great. How's the market now? It, you know, I mean, you've got, again, here, here goes $400 million into a company at $2.75 billion sure. valuation. Yes. Um, that, that, that's got to make the market pay attention. To, How to does me. that impact your ability to go out and do some M&As? I, I do think that the market's expensive for
2: sure. Yeah. But But I, what I would also say is, is uh, as TransPlace was forming kind of into the business that it is yep. now, those eight acquisitions were totally necessary. Right, and and so, um, I, if it if it's not a very good fit for our core principle, yeah, yeah. which is building out the platform and, and, and building out the TM, then we're just not that interested in it. Right, we don't think that with our organic growth we need to acquire for the sake of acquiring. Right, and so we're picky. In addition to that, you know, two thousand eighteen, it was an expensive year to buy a company. Um, uh, we have seen that certainly subside in two thousand nineteen. Um, And, you know, anybody reading the Convoy valuation and thinking that translates into their business or whatever it is, I I don't think it does, right? I mean, Convoy and Uber. What drives that? I mean, is it? Sure. I I think it's a fundamental belief in, in, and it's an appropriate belief in that there is significant disruption uh, opportunity Mm -hmm. or growth opportunity for people doing things a different way in a highly fragmented, rich marketplace. That's it, right? I don't think that uh, as I said earlier, um they're not gonna put anybody out of the business in the top five, mm-hmm. right? But then there's you know fifteen thousand other companies that play in that space. The spread, average spread is still two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It's still very highly manual. Mm-hmm. Um and, and so there's uh um, there will be a move towards automation, a move towards transparency. Um and, and I think that candidly over time that two hundred dollars is under significant pressure. And I think the big folks understand that and are investing in that and and uh, the market understands that uh, 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 those digital brokers are going to get there a different way right and so they'll have a, a merge point, if you will, mm-hmm. of again of scale versus their ability to buy and, yep. and, and yep. smartly and yep. price right
3: so one of the things I love about Freight waves live you know we, we get people to talk about their secret sauce so many of these conferences you tend to go to sure. yeah you don't get a lot of secret sauce you get sort of the you know here's here's what my you know my my marketing materials say and that's all we get but and I appreciate your openness so as you as you, you sort of open the playbook um, even a little bit more what what are you thinking about are you thinking and it may sound sure. a little bit self-serving are you thinking about freight futures are you yeah. thinking about sure you know further um, um investments in a technology that are going to differentiate you Where, where's your head at with regards so, to those things
2: f- From our standpoint, you know if, if you look at our IT roadmap it's, a, it's about geography and mode got it and candidly the platform yeah right and, and so there are companies in this room that, that we don't know yet that will likely bring to bear in our platform for our shippers. that's the right thing to do yep. um, only if it drives value though. Right? Yep. And, and so, it, again, we're not, a, we're not a company that really highlights features. Uh, we, highlight, we highlight outcomes. Yep. Um, and, and so when I, when I talk about geography, you know, we, uh, we have spent the year getting ready to do business in Europe. We'll do business in Europe in 2020, right? And so we've had shippers candidly banging our door down for a couple of years to do that. We're very careful of the brand, and, and we just didn't want to start right. doing it for the sake of saying, hey, we're doing this now. So um, that's happening. Uh, we, we will certainly invest, mo, uh, invest more in parcel and rail as it relates to tech capability, even though we currently manage it today. I think there's enhancements there. That's yeah. for real. As it relates to freight futures, you know, we look at that as, as again, we're empowered to manage the networks of our shippers, and, and, and candidly, they, uh, we're managing outcomes, right? So um, are freight futures real? Uh, I think the entire market would agree that it's early but totally appropriate for, for, uh, for us to be exploring this right now. So, um, and what I mean by that is, is as we look at a network and we look at performance in a network and we look at tail freight or we look at kind of underperforming freight from a tender acceptance and service standpoint, you know, what's the right place to put freight futures in? You know, most shippers today, you know, I, I'd read something that uh, somebody had said, uh, why doesn't everybody just buy on the spot f- spot freight today? Right, mm-hmm. it's, it's cheaper mm-hmm. than contract freight. Or why doesn't uh, you know in the future everybody will just buy the same reason that a CEO hedges any other product? Right, you can't have 50, 100, 300 million dollars of unconstrained expense without without understanding where it's going to go. Freight futures um, having more uh, a, a more rock solid. Uh, uh, contract in place, then your average contract rate, which you're getting 97% tender acceptance in a year like this, but maybe 85% in a year like 2018, that, that, you know, that 12% differential means millions of dollars for a lot of companies, and that's worth freight futures. That's worth exploring, right? And so, so we think it's certainly going to be a part of how we manage networks in the future and part of our kind of procurement and management strategy. Um, just got a couple minutes left. One of the things I um, note uh, that you're doing,
3: I want to talk a little bit about it. We've talked a lot about digitization technology and all that. Sure. You're investing in people. You're Without investing a, a lot more money than was invested when I worked there. So uh, <laughs> and I can, I, my W-2 can prove that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but, you are. Tracy Ross are coming from Walmart sure. to run yeah. operations. You've got new technology folks. Is that we do. Is that how you know how 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 is how is the recruiting of those kinds of people going and how are, you, how are you accomplishing that?
2: So, so we're investing to people in a couple of different ways. I mean, we, we just talked about opening up a new office in Chicago, right. but we're also you know, building the new office in Northwest Arkansas. We have new offices in Canada and Mexico. And, and so, first of all, you know, starting at the employees, we want to create a fantastic work experience, a highly engaged work experience where they come to work kind of understanding the mission of the business, and the mission of the business is to serve the shipper primarily. Secondarily, every company goes through phases, phases of growth, right? And so you go from a small company uh, um, that's not making money to a small company that is making money trying to become a, a yep. mid-sized company, right? And, and so um, the moves that we've made over the last couple of years, and to be more specific to George's point, we've brought in Tracy Rosser, uh, who's a senior vice president of uh, logistics for Walmart to be my EVP of operations for our transportation management business, which George knows is very near and dear to my heart, so I had to have a lot of trust in Tracy. Uh, to do that. But, but in addition to that, we've brought in uh, David March from, from Hub Group to, to help run our intermodal business to support Doug Punzel there. We brought in a new chief marketing officer, Karen Sage from MercuryGate. Uh, we brought in a new chief human resources officer, uh, um, Lee Robinson, from, uh, uh, who has background in Linux and, and, and Honeywell. And so overall, it, I put the management and Chris Nestor and, and our CTO, uh, both of them came from Sabre. Right, which was important for me to have a technology background, uh, CTO, uh, um, used to you know, high throughput, high, you know, uh, uh, significant uptime, et cetera, et cetera, and Chris, who, who was a public company CFO, uh, in order for us to kind of graduate to the next stage of our growth. Right? And so, candidly, there was, there's two things I've spent a lot of my time on, unfortunately, and fortunately, in 2019, and that was recruiting and interviewing and spending yep. time with people and finding business fit but also, you know, looking at potential M&A, right? And and so we 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 have failed in 2019. We're not out of the woods yet. We still might do a deal. But but I promise you that, that we'll be buying companies in, in, in 2020.
3: So let's let's finish on that. Yeah. 2020, um, I love 2020 because you should have really clear vision in 2020. Yeah. 2020, your, your clear vision for what your expectations are, that's the classic question. And Sure, yeah. You, know, you put 10 economists in a room, you're going to get 11 different opinions. Right. What's Frank
2: McWiggin's opinion on what 2020 looks like in the uh, transportation market? Yeah, you know, from our standpoint, again, starting with the shippers, the shippers – Feel rumblings in our economy, and, and a lot of our shippers are planning flat, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, in addition to that, the good—that's you know—that's not really good news. So, what do they need to do as a company? They need to drive value inside their networks. They need to acquire, divest, or drive cost savings to get of growth. Um, the the uh, the per, the engineering exercises we're doing right now, the procurement exercises, are suggesting five to ten percent. Uh, uh, savings in, in, in the contract. What will be interesting about that is that it'll be, we believe, it'll be mostly a soft year for freight, but more volatile. And, and so, though freight will, from a contract stamp, standpoint, be uh, less expensive, it'll be certainly closer to the spot line, and you're going to have periods of, of convergence between those two lines, which to me ordinarily brings volatility into the routing guides and ultimately makes things a little bit more challenging. That's what we see, right? And so that's what we're planning for. That's how we're building out kind of the routing guides for the show. Perfect. Well, I think we're out of time. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate all of your time. And thank you to everybody everybody. for staying. Thanks a bunch.
3: Thank you, Frank. Thank you, George.